Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the DLC Drop Podcast. Today it's my pleasure to welcome Adam White, founder and CEO of Edge. We're talking a lot about the importance of applying best practices, um, how Edge benefits the esports ecosystem by making your marketing plan a performance platform. And we're getting to get in some real human aspects as well. Let's talk to Adam. Drop in the untold stories of industry leaders, influencers, and insights on future innovation. I'm John Davidson, and this is the, the DLC, DLC Drop, Drop Podcast. Podcast. All right, welcome to another episode of the DLC Drop Podcast. Adam White, uh, this is an episode that we have been waiting quite some time for as we've known each other for a few years, but I feel like I know you probably a lot better than someone who I've never met in person and only known for a few years. <laughs> our paths didn't cross at all at St. Louis that one time. You weren't there when our cohort started, started with Stadia now. I don't think so. What year was that uh, with Stadia Ventures when you it were was at the It was the famous 2020. I don't know if it's the brand of the famous 2020 cohort, but I presume the fact that we started in person and yes. then... And then Donald Trump said that we're going to close the borders and the NBA got suspended whilst I was, I was there. Wow. That was quite shocking. And then they told us, of course, we're going to do this remote. So that was quite an interesting, it was a startup accelerator experience to give context to the audience. Of course, they don't really know who I am just yet. <laughs> exactly. So that's one of our alignments is Stadia Ventures. Stadia is an, a startup accelerator in sports, esports, and tech. I've been able to get involved as a judge and a mentor for a variety of brands. Tell the audience how you got involved with Edge and uh, what your, you know, what that process was like. Sure. Well, so I, I, I'm the founder of Edge and I, I started it in 2018. And at the time I was working in the esports industry with a few players and I, I, I had started an esports league based in Ireland and later a team called London United based in, in London, of course. And at the time, we were trying to get gamers paid faster. Yeah. And, you know, like, like essentially distribution of prize money was an issue. And we back then even looked at having a block, blockchain solution and distributing, you know, funds from a, from a crypto pool and what have you. But that was very, very early stages of Edge. And later on, as, as after I bootstrapped business for a while, I was lucky enough to go to an event in London and meet Stadia Ventures. And then I, uh, I was inspired by what I saw. And I thought, I, I really want Edge to be a part of this, this group because they're very well connected to sports rights holders and the esports ecosystem. And so we applied. And yeah, I flew out to St. Louis and gave a pitch in front of like hundreds of people that are all industry experts, you know, CTOs at IBM and... Oh, yeah. It's intimidating. Oh, man. It's a really impressive room of people, isn't it? It's like, whoa. It sure and you're is. on stage. And I was wearing sweatpants and I've always had a strange fashion sense, I guess. And so <laughs> I was like, whoa, what am I... And we had vegan donuts. We were serving them and we got them. Our logo at the time was these... Uh, very vi vibrant colors like blue and yellow and pink. And so we got these vegan donuts that had these pastel colors and we served them to the judges who came by afterwards. So yeah, that was a cool experience, man. But that Did that help? Back of is, mm -hmm. is a, is a, 
you know, a nugget of value here for the audience that if you're looking for investment to bring donuts, is that what I'm hearing? I big time. Like, you know, I think do something to be remembered. Why not? You know, it was Brandon. So Stadia Ventures, we're, we're doing an investment round right now and Stadia are following on and Brandon was remarking like I, I it feels like just yesterday that I had those vegan donuts with you right and that great way to break the ice and just do something to be remembered I think is always do something different why not yeah you know you only live once the DLC drop podcast is sponsored by ice shaker I've been a huge fan of this brand for the past few years ever since I met founder Chris Gronkowski Uh, What I love about this product is the brand story, the functionality, and the customization. iShaker is a Shark Tank company invested in by Mark Cuban and Alex Rodriguez, owned by NFL players Rob Gronkowski and Chris Gronkowski. I love using my iShaker anytime I'm driving to the podcast studio, I'm going skateboarding, or I'm at the gym. No matter what I'm doing, it just does a great job of keeping my drinks hot or cold. The customization for iShaker is something that's super unique. You can get any name, just about any logo engraved onto your iShaker and delivered to you within just three to five business days. Get your own DLC Drop branded iShaker at iShaker.com forward slash DLC Drop. Save 20% on all iShaker products with the discount code DLC Drop. Exactly. Well, one of the things that I, I really appreciate you, I follow you on LinkedIn, I see your posts, I follow what you guys are doing at Edge. And I think something that is so needed in the esports space are applying best practices, are I don't want to say bringing the adults in the room, but what we do have is we have a dynamic where we have a lot of young people who lead this amazing industry. And there's benefits to being young, not knowing what you can't do because you're not limited, uh, being tied into culture, gaming, apparel, etc. But what's unique about esports is you what you're missing are people who have been business professionals for 20, 30 years And they understand this background behind the scenes infrastructure of business. And we are greatly missing that in esports. And not many people are really willing to be critical of the industry. And I don't mean critical in the way of, you know, being a troll and uh, saying this sucks, but simply saying, hey, guys, we are missing some things and let's help develop solutions. And I see you as one of these people. Tell us exactly what does Edge do today? Well, sure. Yeah. So I I think you're dead right about esports lacking infrastructure, especially at the grassroots level. I don't think companies like Riot or Blizzard are doing anything particularly wrong. They've got excellent professional teams, right? They they know what they're doing. At the grassroots level, there's definitely, you know, there's there's a lack of a path to pro and and there's a lack of regulation. And that always, when you have a lack of regulation, there can be bad actors. I presume most of the people doing it have the best intentions. I also think that there's just a heck of a lot to organize with an esports event, so it can kind of get out of control. And I suppose, so what what I was referring to, we were an esports company and we quickly pivoted into the creator economy because we realized that gamers weren't the only people that were having trouble getting paid quickly by, you know, if it was prize money. We also found that streamers were finding it difficult to not only mainly find work with brands that, you know, they they had a small audience and engaged audience. They were interacting every single day, 
and they couldn't get brands to give them any money to, to, to reach that audience. And I had worked at an influencer marketing agency called the Goat Agency based in the UK. Hi, guys. And uh, I saw that they, there was a, they were using humans to do the jobs that you could do with the data that the social media feeds have themselves. Mm. And so we built a really cool system where a brand manager can create a campaign and send it out to thousands of creators and we'll automatically validate that the content is posted and then we'll in real time report on how the content performs. And so that's really cool for the brand manager who right now is help influencer marketing is not a very scalable industry. It's got lots of agents, lots of yeah. lawyers, lots of contacts, lots of PDFs, you know, we're trying to streamline that process. And on the creator side, when you got five, like John, where does the creator with 10,000 fans on Instagram go for their first brand deal? Tell me. They don't, they, there's no answer to that question. It's like, there's, it's serendipity. The way we like to think of it is the ride share economy, right? You, you had all these cab drivers that were driving around cities mm-hmm. and they were waiting for someone to stick out their hand and be like, Hey, I need a cab. Yeah. And then that person was trusting that cab driver that they knew how to get to the destination and that they would deliver them to that destination. And upon delivery, the cab driver is trusting that the person's going to pay them. And that person is trusting, you know, there's a huge amount of trust. And so what Uber does mm-hmm. is it, it, it creates this trusted platform where the driver doesn't need to wait for serendipity to connect them. The driver has a centralized app where they can go, Oh, I can take somebody somewhere. So the right. experience that we're delivering now for creators is, is just that it's a native app and they can find the work. And then once they do the work, we validate that it's posted and then we pay them. So the idea is that they'll have a wallet where they're receiving you know, right now, capital, and we'll see where the market takes us. Obviously, there's all sorts of fun buzzwords around with cryptocurrency and NFTs and what have you. Of course. But it's Uber for creators, John. That's that's what Edge is. Uber for creators. I love that. So am I understanding correctly that you're also helping to provide data in addition to the payments? Uh, absolutely. So the way it works is the... <laughs> The influencer signs in with their social accounts, so Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. We're going to be delivering TikTok in 2022. Mm-hmm. Once they're signed into Edge, that's it. They never have to sign in again. Through Edge, they receive the work. So, hey, you need to post with this particular hashtag or this particular caption. So, you know, you have to say, hashtag HyperX is the best solution for any gaming headset. And sure. once they, oh, you probably That's a long hashtag. That. <laughs> I realized what I said. There. We'll do hashtag DLC drop, maybe. You know, fair enough. You know, to promote DLC drop, and you know that that I guess, John, you you, you might be someone who would use that. You, you want to you you want people to become DLC drop listeners and users. Right, right now, you could use your own agency and your own time to find creators that have a gaming and esports audience. Not mm-hmm. that everyone in esports and gaming doesn't know who you are already. And they would post on your behalf and Edge would tell you how that content is performing Mm. and it would connect you with the influencers and the influencers would easily get paid. And the way we do that is that we're basically pulling in all of the social data that the influencers have effectively signed into. And then we're just validating events. And we're the only solution that because the it's first party data, the, the people are getting it in real time. So that allows them to 
do really cool things with their paid media spend. So increasingly you're seeing a content creator will post and then the brand will give a budget to amplify that content. Mm. So next year in Q2, you'll have a solution through Edge where if you're a marketer, you pay the influencer through Edge, sure, and that they track the, deli- the delivery of the performance of the campaign. But also you'll be able to then put paid media spend behind the post to amplify its reach, if that makes sense. Yeah, I love this. The more I learn about it, the more I love it. And it sounds like you're really helping these influencers in a variety of different ways. So the first one that uh, popped on my radar when I first heard of Edge was how you guys were helping to facilitate payment because that's always a challenging thing. Um, I think that you were helping with contracts and just really simplifying that process as well. But I can tell you from the brand side, when I was at GameStop, one of the things I was really trying to get going was influencer marketing. And so I was like, guys, when Call of Duty comes out, we should have Courage and Dr. Disrespect and Teep and all these other guys playing our game and say, GameStop gave it to me early. You should go to GameStop, etc." And the pushback that I was getting from this huge brand with billions of dollars was, John, we can't get any data from influencers when we use them. And if I cannot measure what I've done, whether it was whether it worked or whether it didn't work, I can't put dollars towards that because I can't report back. And so I can't yeah. replicate success if I was successful because I don't know what happened. And if it didn't work, I don't know how to pivot. And so I can't spend those dollars at all. That was such an eye-opening moment. And I think that data is just such a pain point across the board in our industry, media rights, these other big revenue opportunities that have not yet come to fruition. Share a little bit with the audience of what have you seen as the byproduct of these influencers now being able to provide data? It's exactly what you said, John. It's that the people who are paying the influencers now understand what that content is doing. Mm -hmm. Who is it reaching? It's not an exercise anymore of vanity metrics and brand awareness, you know? Even like when I was back at the agency, there were certain campaigns where we'd just say, the influencers had this many followers, the posts had this much reach, these many impressions and this many views. The campaign was a great success. The brand is like, what does success mean? It's like, you know, how many people actually clicked on the post? Who were those people? Where were they located? And so with Edge, you're getting that granular data. You're actually understanding Mm. Not just a view or, or, or you know, the, the, the sort of a comment or a like. That doesn't matter. Who are those people? And did they buy it is the, is, is the crucial thing. So what we've seen is, is gaming companies, uh, gaming agencies, understanding that they've paid these 25 creators this much money this month to post this content. Okay, who did that content reach? Great. Who clicked on it? Who converted? Fabulous. And now what's that, what it's allowing them to do month on month is to improve their spend so that because they're understanding the price of media yeah. as opposed to just, you know, the typical influencer process for any of your, any of the people watching this, I'm sure you've gone through this. If you've done influencer marketing, you look on social blade or you look on some influencer discovery or some creative discovery platform. You find someone who's got a lot of followers. You look at their audience and you think they look like they might like gaming. And then you send them a DM and you say, how much for a post? Right, mm-hmm. and they say three hundred dollars, and you go two fifty, and they say two seventy five, and then you give them the money, 
And then they post and you don't really understand what that does. You ask them for a screenshot of their analytics dashboard and then you may or may not put that into a spreadsheet. Mm. What are you doing with all that data? You're just, it's just floating in the ether. And so with Edge, we're turning it in creator marketing from a brand awareness vanity channel to a performance-driven, data-driven, uh, you know, predictable ROI marketing channel. I think what that may also do is it may broaden what 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 brands can do in the space. And what I re- what I mean by that is I always talk with brands and I'm I always say, look, you need to identify what is success for you. And in and you also you also have to set expectations if you're an agency or an influencer or a team with these brands uh, because historically sales is not a great metric to measure especially early in an esports partnership. It's affinity it's awareness, maybe building your social platforms, these softer metrics. And some of the brands can be okay with that. And they say, okay, we're going to play the long game. Yes, these things are important to us. I mean, it all at the end of the day comes down to revenue and sales, right? And so I think a lot of times we're asking brands to support us in our industry out of the goodwill of their hearts. And they're like, guys, the shareholders don't care about the goodwill. They care about the stock price. They care about the revenue. And if if our industry can provide more data and provide a better solution for harder metrics, then we don't have to set expectations or we also don't have or those specific expectations. And then also we don't have to miss expectations when somebody is hoping for sales or hoping for data and we have to get creative and give them this soft stuff. Does that make sense? Man, it makes total sense. I mean, you, we did pivot out into creator, the creator economy. However, we have esports teams that are customers. They use the platform. They connect up all their streamers, all of their Instagram accounts, Twitter accounts, and they use that data to present reports to brands to win business. Yeah. Because that esports is about selling eyeballs. That's it's a media play. It always it will be. That's what the money's going to come from the brands who are saying, I want access to the esports audience. Yep. And the brands are used to getting reports from Nielsen and from, you know, Mediacom and quality information about how how did that television ad perform? How did that YouTube ad perform? And how did that social post perform? But with esports teams, it's kind of like we've got a really big engaged audience. We have all these followers much better to actually break it down into the campaigns that you're going to run for the brands. We're going to deliver this. And as you deliver the, it, reporting in a more professional capacity, you know, obviously most of your audience are going to be executives high level. So I don't want to teach anyone to suck eggs, so to speak, but for the sort of the up and coming audience, yeah. Use a platform like edge to pre- present proper data because uh, that's data sells data is going to get you the revenue. Yeah, I want to pivot here uh, a little bit to your experience as an entrepreneur and seeking investment and receiving investment. And there's a lot of people out there and you don't have to share anything, of course, that's confidential or, or anything like that. But what I would love for our audience is to hear from somebody who has gone down this path. I'm connected to a lot of people who are starting new businesses, who are looking for investment. Um, Mm. I'd love to hear what your experience has been, if you have any tips. Um, I'd also, and then I'll I'll ask a couple follow-up questions there too. Yeah, well, I suppose 
Uh, and the reason I kind of reacted is because I've got a lot of, I've, we're just about to close around, you know, I, I, the lawyers are finalizing a shareholders agreement tomorrow. So, um, I'm in a great, I'm in a great place with investors. I love our investors. Our investors are fabulous. And the ones joining our business are from really exciting businesses that make sense with edge. It's, you know, social platforms and yeah. uh, media companies and agencies. It's great for edge. And also for, I, I remember back to when I first started meeting investors and I didn't, uh, I mean, I still don't really know what I'm doing, right? You know, everyone's pretending. Uh, but back then I re- I had, I didn't have four years of entrepreneurial experience. If you sure. Will. Battle scars probably. Well, now you know what you I, didn't know, right? And that's a huge thing is, I, I've been talking about this a lot lately. There's a difference between knowing the, not having the answers, but knowing the questions and not even knowing the questions. If you wow. know the questions, you can go get answers. But if you don't even know what the questions are, you're lost. That's brilliant. I love that, John. I'm going to take that with me. Thank you for your that tidbit. That one's free. Well, look, tip for the guys who are trying, for the people who are trying to raise money, investors typically invest for two reasons. One is greed, and the other one is fear of missing out. Hmm. So either they think they're getting a great deal with you. Or they think they're missing out on a great deal because someone else is getting it. So I implore founders to be steadfast in your vision. If it's a really good idea, people are going to get on board because your conviction and your passion is going to speak to them. Yes. So that's at the very earliest stages. All about being authentic. Don't lie because it's super (laughs) easy to cash that out. You know, don't be silly with your forecast. Don't say in year two, you're going to make $5 million unless you're selling NFTs. You know, <laughs> don't do that. Do be really honest and, and realistic with your, your projections. But that that's kind of all the fluffy stuff that people will tell you. I really, you need to create that sense of urgency that they're going to miss out on something sweet. Mm. Um, also, I, you know, it, sort of in the medium, it, 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 that was the very early start was like, how do I actually get people to open the door? And But then I also learned that you need to, Maybe when you're doing your seed round, maybe your friends and family is around creating urgency. And even this, at every stage, you want that sense of urgency because people don't act unless there's a deadline. True. Um, which I would also say that be very, very careful with your time and value. You know, your time is super valuable too. Don't go out to an investor with your hand like this. This is, it's a marriage. You know, they're benefiting too. They're lucky to meet you. Right. You're, you're, you're the one with the brilliant idea. You know, they're the ones listening to it. So like ask them outright, are you looking to deploy capital right now? And if their answer is no, you don't need to take the meeting. Like, right. I, I mean, I'll tell you, I had, <laughs> I had one meeting where I unfortunately didn't ask that question until the very end. And then oh, the person no. said, well, we met this morning and decided we weren't going to invest in your business anyway, but thank you for the information. And I thought, you just wasted an hour of my time. Right. And actually, I could have saved that hour myself by just saying, hey, man, like, is this, is this even possible right now? Because I really, I need the money. And, and I think that That's a great point. The, the third bit of advice was, was like, just honestly be yourself. You know, the right people will find each other and align and don't sign the, any deals with the devil. Because, you, you know, just you're going to have to work with that person for a long time. And I've certainly dodged some bullets. You know, I had one investor, a VC in London, who let me quit my job. And then with one week left on my notice, told me that they weren't going to respect the term sheet. And 
and that they were, we were going to pull out. And so, wow. uh, yeah, it was brutal. It was really, I won't name them on the podcast, but if you, <laughs> yeah, like it, it was a, it was a heck of a, heck of a thing. You know, I didn't, I, didn't, I had like no money and I had, I had to pay my rent. I was like, Woof, what do I do now? But that was good though. I learned like, it's not, it's not done until it's signed. So right. thank you for that beautiful lesson. I appreciate it. Um, and I'm, and I'm glad I'm not working with it, you know, cause there you go. You don't want to know someone who's going to pull the rug. Like that's not cool. Absolutely. Sometimes those, uh, curses turn out to be blessings, you know, and further down the road, you're just, you're thinking, wow, that was a hard lesson. Or I wish I had that money at that time, but I'm more glad that I don't have this boss who is terrible, who otherwise Gratitude. I would be in a, a much worse situation. Absolutely. Gratitude for the entire rose, including the thorns. You know, it's, it's, you don't get to pick and choose the, the good parts of the entrepreneurial journey. Like it's all gratitude for the lessons of every day. And that's, that's I think. Yeah, you made a couple of great points here. One is I, I had a friend seeking investment who he shared this as well. And you kind of echoed it here. But is when you're looking for investment, you're not, a, you're not asking for a favor. You're giving somebody an opportunity. And a lot of times we view it from, oh, I'm going to ask people for money. You know, it's like when I was in high school, you know, I was that kid who would ask my friends for money so I could go, you know, get lunch rather than the lunch that my mom (laughs) had packed for me. And it's like, no, you're not like on the street corner begging for change. You're going to people and you're saying, hey, I'm about to do this thing with you or without you. Would you like to be part of this at the ground floor? And when you make that mental shift, that is Mm. huge. Just the energy, the way that you approach people and what you can demand. Is that right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I think that that was a big, uh, a big learning shift that I I met one, like I stumbled into this man, you know, I, I, I had to bootstrap edge and then I was in some office in, in London, a co-working space, Yuki, where if you're a member of this United Kingdom interactive entertainment, you can, you can co-work for free. Okay. And I went in and this investor, I didn't even know he was an investor. He was pitching me his product about, it was a, a sleep solution for esports athletes to, to sleep better. I thought, I thought this is really cool. I, at the end of the call, the conversation, he said, well, what are you doing? And I said, well, I, I've got this idea basically to get people paid quicker using data. And he said, I think that you're asking all the investors you meet for money. And I was like, uh, yeah, that's exactly what <laughs> Isn't that what I'm supposed to do? <laughs> yeah, isn't that what they And he's like, don't ask them for money. I'm mm. like, okay. He's like, ask them for advice on your business what would they do to build your business with you and then figure out is that someone you'd like to work with and i was like whoa man that has blown my mind yeah and then then i asked him for some advice (laughs) and he said very clever and he he actually gave us the first amount of money that we ever got and from that moment i I shifted everything the whole narrative the storytelling because that's the other thing it's all magic right you're creating things that don't exist so you have to manifest and your willful manifestation and vision Mm. will only be it will only become reality from concept if you repeat it enough and if you really believe that so if you really believe that 
you know, people are giving you money and you're kind of swindling them and tricking them into funding your, that's what it'll be. Right. If you really believe I'm building something incredible. Want to be part of it? Yeah. I mean, I know I prefer to hear John. That uh, manifestation stuff is so powerful. And it's crazy because it's not like some like super weird magic or something like that. It's simply a mindset that you're fixing. And so uh, last year I worked with a coach, an executive coach who completely okay. changed my mindset. And she was on the, the podcast. Her name is Sharon Gill. And one of the things we were talking about is verbal affirmation to yourself. Mm. And as we were talking about that, she, she was talking about how she does it. She says, every morning I get up, I look in the mirror and I say, you are chosen. You are beautiful. You are smart. You are wealthy or wise. You know these things. And I was like, Sharon, let's be real for a minute. Are, are you telling me that just saying those words, looking in the mirror, really makes a difference? And she said, John, what if I said this to you? You're stupid. You can't do this. You're lazy. You don't have what it takes. Right? And I was like, whoa. The, like, we realize how negative words can affect us. And I, I'd be willing to bet probably most of us, when we talk to ourselves in our minds, it's more negative than positive. But if we recognize that this positivity has the same power as the negativity, boy, that can make a huge difference. I love what you said at the end there about inside your thoughts being inherently negative. I think that's your ego, which is biologically developed to protect you from danger. Mm. So it's going, what, what could go wrong? What could go wrong? And I think that a lot of people are allowing their minds to drive their entire being and not recognizing that the brain and the mind are one of your organs. You are not your mind. You're not that thought, that monkey that keeps talking all day. You're not that person. You're, you're much more than that. You're a, a whole entity uh, that's conscious. Your brain is a, is a tool that's helping you. And I guess where, where, where I'm going with that is you're dead right that the key to unlocking that and throwing away the negativity yeah. is in mantra, is in positive affirmation because if have you ever seen the thing with the the water and the the plants the aquatic plants and just writing the word love and hate above the plants uh-uh. and seeing how a man it's crazy it is so weird really like just writing wow. the word love and hate how, seeing the plants and how they grow and it's something it's quite universal it's not just plants it's fungi Sure, And it's humans, right? You you treat a dog poorly and they become a vicious animal that doesn't like people. Right. And if you treat your kids that way, and I think a lot of us treat ourselves that way, you have to be your own best friend. And certainly as an entrepreneur, man, you probably do this, right? Starting your podcast, like that, you've got to take that first step. And that is super scary. And it's really easy just to go, nah, right? Yeah, well, I've actually been thinking a lot about this is the scariest part of the entrepreneurial journey is the first step. And I relate it to a polar bear swim. If you're standing up there on the, the dock of the lake, uh, you know, in some cold frozen tundra, you're looking at that water and you're just thinking about how cold it is, right? Mm. Once you jump, now, is there initial like, holy crap, this is really cold? Yes. But we all know from jumping into a cold pool, the the longer you're in it, you start to warm up. And then what else happens? 
you remember you know how to swim. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes we're on the dock scared to jump. And if we would just jump, we would figure out that, I don't want to say that we're just fine, but you start to grab for the water in front of you and you remember to kick and you remember to move your arms and all of a sudden you look up and you say, holy crap, I'm swimming. And you may be dog paddling at first, but over time you learn how to swim faster and farther as your business continues to grow and you learn what you had no idea of before. That's it, man. I love, like, I, I don't, I hate, <laughs> this summer I, I've been doing lots of meditation and yoga and, and you know, and I don't drink alcohol anymore. And I, I find sometimes when I say these things, I feel like you've become that cliche entrepreneur who's, you know, seeking the enlightenment and balance and all this, what have you. Yeah. But I started taking cold showers every single day. Tell me about and that because I, even though I gave that analogy, I have not started the cold shower routine because right, it's cold. Got, it's, it's so cold. <laughs> and, and you know what? It is cold. Yeah. That's it. Now, do you just take the cold shower or do you start hot and you turn it down or do you do both? What is this exact uh, uh, process? So there's like, there's a few ways to do it. You can do like the Wim Hof breathing, which I've also done, right? But that's like essentially 45 seconds of hyperventilating, 30 to 45 seconds of hyperventilating, then a breath hold for like a minute, two minutes, three minutes, doing it three times and then getting in the shower. That's cool. I've tried that. I, the, the Wim Hof breathing I like, I prefer just sort of the present breathing, sort okay. of being conscious of how you're slowly breathing. But back to the shower, you can do, I like to do the hot and then the cold. If I'm honest, that's yeah. usually what I do. I'd say that's an 80% of the time thing. So you're 20%. I live on a farm now, so 20% of the time we don't have hot water. So it's kind of like, you know, you're this whole be- time, this whole time, Adam, I was thinking that you were this Tony Robbins type. You made this decision where you're going to, you're convincing your mind to do what your body doesn't want to do. And you're this courageous person. And then I just found out you just don't have hot water. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the truth. It's a survival mechanism. You know what though? It's like, I really, John, I seriously do this a lot. It's like, it's only hard if you tell yourself it's hard, right? It's like, yeah, I've been doing a lot of fasting as well. Not just tw- not just like the intermittent fasting, but fasting for three days because hmm. your body, you, us as humans, we wouldn't have found food all the time, right? It, it w- yeah. would have been hard. And so being with that hunger and also being with that fear and noticing that fear and being like, oh my gosh, right now I'm afraid. Why am I afraid? I'm afraid because this customer isn't going to sign the deal and that means we're going to miss our targets and this investor isn't going to... All these stories are just narratives. Right. And it's the same with the cold water. It's And that's why I started, started doing it. I just wanted to see, like, can I do this? And of course you can do it. You can do so much more than that. You're the only one telling yourself you can't do it. Well, and something too that I experienced before at the beginning of my coaching, I wasn't just afraid of failure. I think I was afraid of success as well. You know, and I would find myself that, and I don't know if I was afraid that, okay, I've got these opportunities and I'm going to fail at them. But when these opportunities would present themselves, I mean, basically just walking through the door, you know, I would find myself 
waiting or or sabotaging myself in a certain way it was like man you just have to well you talk about have you have you experienced that that side of it at all i want to hear why do you think that was i think that there was part of me that felt like i didn't deserve the success Okay. And then there was part of me that felt like, what will I do once I take this next step? Like, like I don't, like, okay, this person wants to pay me and they believe in me and they think I'm smart and they think I'm capable, but they just think that. They don't know everything that's in my head. They don't know the real me, right? What if I disappoint mm-hmm. them when they give me the opportunity? Oh, I think a lot of it came from that. Syndrome. Yeah. You know, I'm a fraud, I'm a fraud, I'm a fraud. Right, and I have I have a thought on that, which is it's so I don't know how, I don't know how this is going to come out. I'm just going to start speaking. I, I feel that some people who feel that way are 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 feeling that way because they recognize it's not really them. Mm. They're pretending to be someone, you know. Yeah. And I think with you with you, John, I I don't believe that's the case. I, I know that that you're like. Oh my gosh, I'm going to do this. Do I really deserve this? And I've got all this amazing things coming to me. And wow, like, what about everyone? You know, it's an sure. empathy thing. Yeah. I do, however, feel that when you're, when you're, have you ever heard of Alan Watts? Do you know this philosopher? No, tell me about him. A really cool guy uh, who basically talks about the universe and, and quantum mechanics and love and the unifying principles of existence, essentially. Uh-huh. And, He's lecturing a bunch of students and he says, like, what would you like to do after university? Forget the money. And they yeah. all say, I want to be a poet. I want to be an artist. I want to, some of them say, I want to start my own business or my podcast or whatever it is. Yeah. And he says, well, then go do that. And they, and they all say, well, no, but I have to earn money so I can do. And they say, and he says, look, you can be the person you actually want to be, or you can spend your whole life pretending to be someone else that everyone else tells you you should be. And you do that just so you can earn enough money to be the person you actually are. Yeah. By the time you've run the whole race, you've forgotten who that person was. And so then you're in a real, yeah, you're in a real, you're in a real world of pain, I think. So well, I think it's about alignment, man. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'll share something that's similar to that, that I've experienced and I haven't, I don't know if I've ever shared this before, but I've had this thought many times. Is there so much power in not needing to make money immediately? Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is now, not everybody has this opportunity, Buffer. right? But when I went through COVID, I got furloughed by PRG, the big production company I was working for. Um, I had some savings, so I was able, to, but I had, you know, some time I was able to defer my mortgage. So, you know, bring my, bring my, uh, cost down really low, but I had, you know, about four or five months where it was okay if I didn't make a dime and what is required. I I think this is very true with apparel and fashion is Mm. if you, you need people to validate what you're doing by purchasing things, right? So if you were to do some sort of design on a t-shirt or something, what is the design you're doing and why are you doing it? Because if it's just to express your creativity, 
maybe nobody buys it, right? Mm-hmm. If it is, if your goal is I need to make money today, that influences what you're doing, right? And then you're not your true self. Now, this is what wow. happens over time. You build something that is true and people are attracted to authenticity. Ah, uh, there it is, man. So if, if, if step, if I need to make money today and not everybody can do this, but you can also structure your life in a variety of ways so that you don't need to make money today, or you can have one part pain, you know, subsidizing the other that doesn't make money today. But I've thought a lot about, I haven't thought about, man, I want to make tons and tons of money. I've thought I want to bring my bills so low that I don't have to make a lot of money. And I'm a firm believer that focusing on what I want to do, what I think is dope, you know, building a strong foundation, the longer you spend time building a foundation, the higher you can build. Absolutely, man. Everyone loves the truth, you know. Every esports panel I went to, everyone was talking about authenticity. Yeah. And I, when they were using the word, I was like, it doesn't sound authentic when you're saying it. <laughs> I've always when said, I, yeah, if you <laughs> if you're saying I need to be authentic, <laughs> you're not being authentic. <laughs> not really being authentic. Yeah. Just exactly, be exactly. Right? Exactly. I I and and I love what you said, however, about that. Because I, I you gotta be conscious that like we are white males, right? Yeah. True. Like we've got a huge head start on so many people. Yeah. I, I, I'm straight. I identify as a straight white male, right? Like that's how many advantages does one person need, right? To, to, to get ahead. And then also like having that buffer to, to say, I want to start edge. Like I, I slept on my friend's couch for four months. I'm no, no shame saying it. Yeah. Cause I wanted to keep my rent down so that I could pay some developers in Ukraine to build a proof of concept so I could show it to investors. But like right. I had a buddy who had a couch and I had enough saves that I could last for those four months, but I was cutting it quite tight. But that's, I believe, so much an edge because I knew it was me. I was like, this is, I am supposed to do this because this, this idea in here, it's in, it's, it's already in the universe. And that, that's one of the other things, you know, speaking of quantum physics and like, and the concept of manifestation. If it's really true and it feels inside like it has to come out and you can see how everything fits in between. Go and explore that because the truth is the universe is so massive that everything has already already happened. What you mm. try and influence in your reality, your day to day, it's really not you controlling anything. You know, like you send an email to someone, they don't respond for one, two, five, six days. Right. It's not because your email wasn't perfectly worded or that that person didn't want to buy it. It's because they got distracted by something. It's nothing right. to do with you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> I was what I was going to say is boy, we've really gone deep here and I just love it. I I wasn't even um assuming that we would we would go this deep. Well, it's all there is, man. You know, it's like I I I feel I I really hear what you're saying in terms of like people being true to themselves and and the DLC drop podcast, man, is that right? You know, I've seen the content you've created on LinkedIn and, and, you know, you've really put this together. You, you, people who are watching this see that the questions are engaging. They're interesting. Mm -hmm. The people that you're asking 
to come on the show, you have an authentic connection with them. And so it's, it's good. It's real. If you try and fake it and jump on the NFT train or jump on the blockchain train or jump on the esports train, whatever it is, sure. if you aren't that person, yeah. no one's going to buy it. They're not interested. Well, and, yeah. I have one more thing to, uh, well, let me add to that really quick. And then I have one more thought as we wrap up this episode. Time flies when you're having fun. Yeah. Um, one thing, too, to add to the, you know, you don't have to make money right away thought is time and consistency. Time and consistency are two of the most powerful things in the universe. And I, I tell myself this a lot with my podcast, right? Because, yeah, I want to announce this and I want to just have this audience like grow like crazy and get a bunch of sponsors and be able to monetize this and spend more time doing it and all these things. But I'm I'm a big believer. There's no such thing as a big break, but there are breakthroughs. And what I mean by that is there's steps. You know, I've had a lot of great people on this podcast. I've had the first CEO of Beats by Dre. I've had the mayor of the fastest growing city in the world or in the United States, excuse me. I've had some tremendous people. I've had a a, a gentleman who won the bronze medal in Tokyo, all of these things. And none of those were the big break. They were a step right? It's a step. It's a step. You do it every week. You keep going. You keep going. You keep going. The point I wanted to make that I wanted to get your take on is when people are trying to figure out what they want to pursue, what they want to do with their lives, a great way to understand that is what are you not embarrassed talking to other people about? And and I'll I'll give you this real quick example is I was in Las Vegas not too long ago for the Esports Business Summit. And I'm at Top Golf. There's a bunch of people around. We're having conversation. Somebody was texting me and saying, hey, this person you're talking to, ask them about this thing or if they can be part of this thing. And, you know, I'm busy, blah, blah, blah. The guy has to go to his air- the airport, everything. I call my friend and she's like, John, did you ask him about to be part of the thing? And I was like, ah, I didn't get to that in our conversation, um, you know, and he had to leave early. And she said, did you ask him to be on your podcast? And I said, yeah. <laughs> wow. Right? Wow. And she's like, John, wow. that's a sign. That's what you should be doing because you're not afraid to talk to your podcast. Not because I'm some like big self promoter, but because I believe in it. I love it. I want to share people's stories. And I took a step back and I said, I have no shame telling anybody about the podcast because I believe in it. And many of us have sales jobs, business development jobs. Sometimes we felt like, do I want to bother this person? Hmm. If you feel like you're bothering somebody, you're in the wrong, with, with the wrong company or the, lo- the wrong role. If you yeah. feel like you're preaching the gospel, you are in the right zone. You are there. You are there and you feel it. You don't have that anxiety or that depression of, you know, I gotta go to work and I gotta talk to this guy. And when he's talking to you or they're talking to you, you're, you're answering questions that you don't even care the answer to. I mean, that, that's not it. Right. Yeah, man. I, I remember standing on in the stage at pitching to stadium. You have to do like 10 minutes and summarize why you're going to change the world. Right. Right. And I had said, I didn't rehearse this part, but I said, edge will be a billion dollar business because 
Mm. And once I said, and I said that in front of this room of people, and I was like, oh my God, man, that is really quite a thing to declare to all these industry leaders. Right. You know? Once it was spoken, I was like, no, nah, that's true. I, I believe that. I believe that if you build a platform where creators get connected to brands and it's all automated, that's a billion dollar business. So having said it, it was like it was spoken. And because it was true, it was now I have a, a vision and a destiny. And, and yeah, I guess the investors, if you guys are watching this, they'll be happy to hear that. So that's where we're going, guys. Um, that's incredible. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll add to that, which is you will never go further than your vision. So many of us are limited by our vision. And so while I don't want to uh, jinx you or anything, you know, and say that you won't be a billion dollar business, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is if you don't believe you're going to be a billion dollar business, I guarantee you will not be. If you believe you can, I think you've got a great shot. I think so too. I think like, I love John, that buffer thing you said, like if you have the resources to give yourself the time and the breathing space, that five minutes, seconds, months, years that you need to think, you know what? It's not even really thinking. I don't, I don't feel, I feel it's in the moments where you're silent and your brain isn't speaking, you know, and that, that's kind of why I meditate. I like to, I, I, I have no shame in admitting like the best ideas from edge have always come through meditation. And when mm. I don't know the decision about something, I meditate. And all of a sudden this voice comes to me and says, it's this. Mm. And then you speak it. Actually, another thing I like to do, John, is uh, this is, I've never said this to anyone either. Uh, we're in sharing, sharing mode. It's great. Draw two circles on the ground, you know, use whatever they are, a, a tie or a rope, just put them on the ground and you got a decision, a binary decision. I want the black one or the blue one or whatever it is for you. Yeah. I'm going to buy an Xbox or a PlayStation. I'm going to support Fnatic or Cloud9. Sure. And say it, stand in one of the circles and say the words, I am going to buy an Xbox <laughs> and say it, stand in the other circle. I'm going to buy a PlayStation and see how you feel. Just check in to see mm. how's your stomach feel, your heart. Are you breathing faster? Are you sweating? Are you hot? Are you cold? And like, it's amazing how your body will speak to you, even though your mind isn't the one in charge. So, yeah. You're putting yourself in the situation of making those decisions, engaging that feeling mentally and physically mm-hmm. before you make this. Well, I love that, Adam. I could talk to you for a million years, of course. Um, before I let you go here so people can continue to learn more about Edge so they can continue to learn more of your amazing insights, where should people go to follow you and Edge? Absolutely. Thanks, John. Um, so for Edge, you can follow us on LinkedIn. The content I've heard is pretty interesting, engaging. We talk about Web3, the metaverse, the creator economy, the future of work, really. And you can find us at Edge Tech GG on LinkedIn and on Twitter and on Instagram and you can find me on Edge White on all social platforms. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'd love to connect with uh, anyone who wants to talk about the creator economy and uh, just generally about being and spirituality as well. So yeah, thanks, John, for your time. I've loved being on here. You're an amazing host and uh, I love what you're building here. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining me. Everybody, definitely make sure to follow Adam, connect with him and follow Edge. Thank you, my friend, Adam White, for joining me today on the DLC Drop Podcast. Thank you for listening to the DLC Drop Podcast. 
This podcast is part of the Esports Futuri Podcast Network and produced by Innovation Media Enterprises. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast channel and leave us a review.